Well, good morning to each one. Greetings in the precious name of Jesus. Good to see each one of you here today. I, too, want to welcome the visitors. We're glad you're here. I invite you to join in and worship with us. Last Saturday, on December 16, some of our family visited Colonial Williamsburg. And on the program that day, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, George Whitfield is coming to Williamsburg and will be preaching at the Burton Parish Church. Now, George Whitfield, or some folks call him Whitefield, was a famous evangelist of England. At 25 years of age, George Whitfield came to America and toured the American colonies from 1739 through 1740, preaching revival messages which sparked what is known as America's Great Awakening. In those few short years, preaching from the pulpit or in open air, it is estimated that 80% of all American colonists heard him preach at least once. On December 16, 1739, George Whitfield walked through the doors of the Burton Parish Church in Williamsburg, Virginia, and on that day he preached to a packed out crowd the sermon, What Thank Ye of Christ. And so now for many years, on December 16, George Whitfield's sermon, What Thank Ye of Christ, is preached at the Burton Parish Church in Williamsburg, Virginia. Last Saturday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Beverly and I went to the Burton Parish Church and heard George Whitfield's sermon, What Thank Ye of Christ. Now up to that time, I was thinking about what I would preach today. You know, the day before Christmas, what should I preach? And for the most part, I had a sermon coming together in my mind. But while hearing George Whitfield's sermon that day and being blessed by it, I thought, you know what? That's what I'm going to preach next Sunday. And so my sermon title today is What Thank Ye of Christ. I invite you to Matthew 22, and I will read the words of Jesus 41 through 46. Matthew 22, verse 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What thank ye of Christ, whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. He saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. For a few minutes, let us consider the context of these verses. Verse 15, the Pharisees took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. The first question that was posed is verse 17. Is it lawful to give 
tribute unto Caesar? Or we would simply say, is it lawful to pay taxes? The answer, verse 29, 21. Yes, Jesus said, render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Next question, verse 23. This one came from the Sadducees, and it was a big what-if question. Verse 24, saying, Master, Moses said, If a man having no children, his brother shall marry his wife. Let's start over. Moses said, If a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise the second also, and the third unto the seventh. And last of all, the woman died also. Therefore in the resurrection, whose wife shall shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. The answer, verse 29 and 30. Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. The next question came from a lawyer, verse 35. His question was, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Verse 37, Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And while these words were slowly sinking in, the table turns and Jesus asked them a question. What think ye of Christ? And whose son is he? It's interesting. The Pharisees answered quickly and correctly. The son of David, right on. Jesus was indeed the son of David. The Old, prophecy, the Old Testament prophecies clearly said so. The very first verse of the New Testament confirms it. But notice how Jesus befuddled them with his follow-up question. Verse 44 the words of David quoted from Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord, the Lord Jehovah God, said to my Lord, Jesus, the coming Messiah, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstools. Now in verse 43, Jesus pointed it out that David was speaking in the spirit or by the Holy Ghost when he called him Jesus, my Lord. In other words, 
David calling his son, my Lord, came by revelation from God. Now in Jewish culture, it was always first the father and second the son. No Jewish father would ever address his son as my Lord. We don't do that either. If we do, it's probably dripping with sarcasm. And so how could Christ be David's son when David called him my Lord? Now listen carefully. The only way David's son could be David's Lord was only if David's son would be David's God manifested in the flesh. Did you get that? I'll do that one more time because it took that a while to sink into my brain. The only way David's son could be David's Lord was only if David's son would be David's God manifested in the flesh. You see, once a man admits that David's son is David's Lord, then he is forced to also admit that David's Lord must be David's God come down to earth in the flesh. The religious leaders were stumped. They failed to believe the Messiah would be God incarnate. And it says in verse 46, and no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. Now the Bible records nearly 300 questions that Jesus asked. Jesus was an expert of asking the right questions. He would ask questions like Luke 6:46, and why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Luke 8:25, where is your faith? Matthew 8:36, for what should it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Matthew 23, 33, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? John 21, 16, lovest thou me? Luke 17, 17, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Now Jesus never asked a question for his own benefit the questions were designed to engage conversation, bring conviction, provoke people to think, or force someone to confront an important truth. And so here in Matthew 22, after silencing all the tricky questions about paying taxes, about marriage in heaven, or which commandment is the greatest, Jesus asked probably the most important question that he ever asked, what thank ye of Christ? What you think of Christ is really the most important issue. When we think right about Christ and who he is, the issues of life have a way of working themselves out. Through the Holy Ghost, God revealed to men and old, to men and women of old, beautiful word pictures of the coming Messiah.
2 Peter 1.21 tells us, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Through divine revelation, men and women of old spoke of the coming Christ. What think ye of Christ? Moses, as the promised seed who would bruise the serpent's head. What think ye of Christ? Ruth, as the kinsman redeemer. David, as he who would be crucified. Solomon, as the source of all wisdom. Isaiah, as a lamb to the slaughter. Wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Jeremiah, as the balm of Gilead. Ezekiel, as the glorified king of Zion. Daniel, as the messenger cut off. Hosea, as the healer of backslidings. Joel, as the holy one who shall someday reign from Jerusalem. Amos, as the restorer of the kingdom of David. Micah, as the one to be born in Bethlehem. Zephaniah, as the coming judge. Malachi, the son of righteousness. What was the purpose of these beautiful prophecies concerning the coming Messiah? I believe the purpose was to prepare the people's hearts and minds for the coming Messiah. The prophecies of old, inspired by the Holy Ghost, prepared the people for the question that would eventually come. What thank ye of Christ? Now with those thoughts in mind, I invite you to Matthew chapter 2. In Matthew chapter 2, we have the story of the wise men and King Herod. I would like to read the first 18 verses. And as I read this account, I want you to notice the wise men and King Herod dealing with the question, what think ye of Christ? Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. I'm sorry, let me start over. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of these shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. 
When they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly wroth and set forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah, in Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they are not. What thank ye of Christ? The wise men thought that the king of the Jews was worth seeking and finding. It's believed that they traveled all the way from Babylon, hundreds of miles. They inconvenienced themselves to find this king of the Jews. King Herod, after being visited by the wise men, thought too that Christ was worth finding. However, instead of seeking Jesus himself, he first gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together and demanded of them where Christ should be born. That's a real seeker, is it not? Second, he called the wise men privately and tells them, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me till I may come, that I may come and worship him also. What thank ye of Christ? The wise men thought that Christ was worth finding. And when they found him, they were not disappointed. The star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. It says that when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. I don't know how much joy that is, but that's a lot of joy. King Herod thought, too, that Jesus was worth finding, but he never found him. Of course... It was everybody else's fault. Herod, 
when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly wroth. He wasn't just mad, he was exceedingly mad. <coughs> what a contrast. What a difference it makes how we think about Christ. The wise man rejoicing with exceedingly great joy, King Herod exceedingly wroth. I thought of two verses in Isaiah 55, and I wasn't going to have you turn to them, but now that I need to blow my nose, you can. So Ephesians 5, 6, and 7. figured it's better for you to look in your Bible than watch me blow my nose so you can just turn there. I thought of these two verses as I thought about the wise men and also King Herod. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. The wise men gave us a beautiful example of that. And you know, King Herod, verse 7, if he only would have forsook his wicked ways and his unrighteous thoughts, he could have returned unto the Lord, and the Lord would have had mercy upon him. But he chose not to do that. Let me just read that verse. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. What thank ye of Christ? The wise men thought that Christ was worthy to be worshipped and adored. Verse 11, it says, When they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. King Herod. He thought that Christ was a threat to his kingship and should be destroyed. It says in verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem. And in all the coast thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. You know, it's hard to imagine or put words to such a slaughter. Almost every person then and now knows or is connected to a child that is under two years of age. The slaughter was so thorough that according to, our, to what I read, one of King Herod's own sons was murdered. The question, what thank ye of Christ is a very personal question. However, what we think about Christ doesn't stay personal. The wise men, they fell down 
and worshiped Jesus. King Herod took up his sword and began to kill innocent little children. What we think of Christ will be expressed either in worship or in slaughter. Now you may think that's a little harsh, but as I thought about that, I don't think it's harsh. You take the children of Israel. It was either worship or slaughter. You take world history. It's either worship or slaughter. You take America history. It's either worship or slaughter. 1 John 3.15 says, Whoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. I thought of Pilate. Pilate faced the question, What thank ye of Christ? Worship or slaughter? And Pilate, trying so hard to find the middle of the road, he said things like, I find no fault in this man. He tried to compromise. He tried to give the people other option. However, in the end, Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, but he delivered Jesus to their will. Worship or slaughter. In contrast, George Whitfield preached at least 18,000 sermons in his lifetime. It's estimated that he preached to 10 million hearers. Several sermons a day was not uncommon for Whitfield. Whitfield died at the age of 56. It's said that he actually preached himself to death. When warned about what the preaching was doing to his health, Whitfield would reply, I would rather wear out than rust out. Today, December 24, 2017, what thank ye of Christ? You can turn to John chapter 20. I'd like to read 26 through 30. What thank ye of Christ in this account? The stories that Jesus had risen are being told. And Thomas, the disciple Thomas, he wasn't buying into it unless, he said, unless I see in his hands the prints of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Well, Jesus gave Thomas the opportunity to do that very thing. And so let us read John 20, 26 through 30. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither, 
thy finger. And behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. That's us today. Verse 30 and 31. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Verse 31. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. What thank ye of Christ? Jesus gave Thomas the opportunity to believe. And Thomas believed. His response was simply, my Lord and my God. Jesus is giving you and I that same opportunity today to believe and acknowledge him as our Lord and our God. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What thank ye of Christ? May the thought of Christ and who he is be with you this Christmas season. God bless you. At this time, I've asked Josh and his family members, who they will be, I'm not sure. But I asked them to come up and sing the story of the wise men. I asked Josh to close the service as he sees fit. God bless you all. From lands of the east we have traveled afar, led on by the gleam of a beautiful star. Through desert or mountain, rough, rugged, and bleak, we journey rejoicing, Messiah, we seek. The star, oh, the star, we're onward proceeding, unmindful, unheeding, all else but the leading of yonder bright gem. The star, Savior foretold, 
by sages and prophets of centuries old, to worship before him his praises to sing, O wonderful Savior, Redeemer, and King. The star, below the star, star, we're onward proceeding, unmindful, unheeding, all else but the leading of yonder bright gem. The star, below the star, we're onward proceeding, Star.